Hello, and welcome to Coin Talk. You asked, we delivered. This episode of Coin Talk was taped Thursday, September 23rd. The Bitcoin price index was $43,188. On the line, the co host of the show, Jay Kang. Jay, hello. How are you? Hey, what's up? I can't believe uh, we're back. Well, I can't I believe have to, we're back. I have to admit, so you published a uh, newsletter this week about NFTs, and I felt a tinge of jealousy as if I was like, damn, like Jay took his like crypt- his crypto thoughts somewhere else. Like, <laughs> this is where they belong. <laughs> well, that's why I'm back, you know? Okay. If I, if, if, or if chronology meant something... Then I would have done this first. My heart is always with the podcast, as you know. One for us, one for them. That's that's right, your, right, your right. attitude about this. <laughs> yeah. I could tell this was building up inside you because after a long winter of not that much crypto interest, I you would pop up occasionally and be like, "You checked out these donkeys? You checked out these <laughs> these porpoises?" And not only were they bizarre NFT projects, they were ones I hadn't heard of, which suggested to me that you were like up at night researching NFTs. So how many how many months into this NFT run are we in for you at this point? Oh, I don't know. Maybe like two and a half months, I think. Um, you you although, finished your book and then this got really intense. That, that was my anecdotal understanding. I turned in the book. Uh, the, you know, like the, all this stuff has to go into the end of writing a book, which is not interesting to anyone here, but you know, you have to like do the index for example and stuff like that. All that stuff takes time. And so, yeah, when I was done with that and then I just sort of came up for air, I looked around and then I was like, what is this? You know? And also like you and Ledger have been talking about it a bit in our telegram group. And I was like, um, you know, I have a lot of FOMO. And so uh, some of the stuff that was being discussed, I would look at and be like, I don't understand what these prices are. You know, like, how could something be worth this much? But then I don't know. I I started actually getting kind of interested in the idea of it as well. Like, I don't like many years ago when we were doing this podcast, like the one topic that we kept talking about was sort of art provenance. Right. Like um, and digital uniqueness and how that might be used across a variety of different forms and you know especially when crypto kitties and stuff came out like the question was always like well you know what's going to happen here and uh i don't know i felt like that was like this is seems like a step to me that's interesting and so being part of it is i think it's cool yeah i mean what's really surprised me and i like i i would consider myself more of a flipper um i'm i'm i like to possess nfts briefly and then unload them for more money to someone else which i realize is not the purpose of this for most people but um when we started off it was kind of like jpeg 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 like how can we make these kind of cheap visuals and create sort of a game around flipping them and now i feel like it's gotten so much more elaborate and diverse in terms of like what is happening in these different niches of NFTs. And I, I admit freely that I've only checked out a few of them. So you have the, the, the PFP world, which is like the kind of stuff people put as their avatars. Um, and that's a whole vibrant economy. Um, I'm a penguin holder. I think you're also a penguin holder. Is that correct? You got any yeah, yeah, I have a 
I have a yeah. I have an underwater penguin right now. <laughs> as, as it should be. As it should be. Yeah, yeah. The minute you oh, bought I'm, that penguin, I almost thought to sell my penguins because you've, you mar- you've, you've marked you've marked the top many times. I basically bought the the recent the uh, whatever the more, most recent top is the one I bought. Yeah. Yeah, the pico top. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's like this generative um, stuff that like. I actually find a lot of like quite beautiful um, the world of like Fidenzas and the art block stuff. Then there's like this whole other world with loot where people are sort of seeding metaverses and there's almost no physical items at all, but they're just sort of like a set of objects that maybe will be in game items to some game that doesn't exist yet. These are such disparate ideas. It almost feels weird putting them all under one umbrella. The only thing that really have in common is they're all on OpenSea and someone who gets into one of them might get into another one. So right. f- for you, what like what have the been ones that have interested you been? Um I I th- I I guess like I have two interests in it. The first is, you know, like in the same way that you are interested in it. I'm interested in obviously, you know, will one of these moonshot and then I can retire, right? And so, sure. but I'm a little bit less intellectually interested in that type of stuff just because I think that that stuff is just, you know, you just have to catch waves and get very lucky. Uh, the stuff that I'm interested in from like a, you know, just like, I, I don't know if I want to join these things, but I think that it's something that is totally compelling to me, which is just that how much the idea of community around this stuff. Now, at first I really th- was kind of skeptical about that idea because I was like, well, you know, that's what they say about every sort of project, right? It's like a way to make it not seem like it's just this bare cash grab. But I don't know. I've spent a lot of time in these discord stuff like that. It does seem like there's a community there. Like, right. It's, it's some of them are, are just, you go in and it's people being like to the moon, to the moon, you know, um, floor rising, floor rising, you know, and then don't FUD, don't FUD, like that type of stuff, which is definitely around during the, uh, for when you and I first got into crypto. But uh, some of the, some of the other communities I think are actually like quite touching in a strange way. You know, it's like a lot of people who I imagine are feeling very isolated because of the pandemic, like everybody else is. And, you know, they share art with each other. They do fun things around the, the art and they, sort of make, you know, derivative art for it. And they just sort of talk to each other all the time, like all day long in a way that is, you know, somewhat disconcerting, <laughs> but certainly is also like nice, you know, it's people who have found each other. And then you think about it and just like, I'm sure that there are some skeptics or critics who would be like, it's so dumb. They're just finding their way out of like a scam project that's making JPEGs. But I don't know. I mean, there are worse reasons to find a community, right? Like, for example, you all hate, you all hate one race or something like that. Like, right. uh, yeah. So this brings up a few things in my memory. I remember, um, Jay used to work at vice and I remember watching this vice documentary that was basically these two Trump, uh, like supporters who were like on a road trip right before the election. And it, one of the guys really expressed, he was like, basically like, Hey, I'm really lonely. I don't know. Have any friends being into Trump is how I built a community. And I'm going to be really sad when this is over because this is the first time I've ever felt like I like belonged anywhere. Right. Now, right. you know, I've, that is triggering for me on some level. I'm like, this is the community you found. But like sometimes 
people don't have like a bunch of options for different communities to join. And when you find one that accepts you and, um, you know, wants you around, that's like powerful. So like the funny thing to me about these scammy elements of crypto and NFT projects is you could start a NFT project purely for profit for the most sinister crappy motives and a still a real heartfelt community could build up around it. They're not mutually exclusive. I find often with crypto people start um, with the profit seeking and then become ideological or they start ideologically and end up making a profit. They're both kind of like pushing each other, right? Like the profits push the ideology the ideology makes people hold and not sell, which is pushes the profit. There's these like deep game theory things happening and kind of at the center of all of them is this like we're all in it together feeling that people seem right, to have right. around this project. And also like in the same way with the in, in the same way that you're talking about with those Trump people, it's kind of like and I'm not saying all Trump people. I'm specifically saying the people that you're discussing here. There's sort of like, well, the world has rejected me now. It's debatable whether world has actually rejected that person, you know, and I'm sure that people will bring up, well, you know, like how much can the world have rejected this person? It's like, I actually think that that's those sorts of questions are kind of immaterial, right? Like it's just sort of, if one feels super alienated by everything, right? And right now we have a ton of people who feel very alienated by everything. Then you have this system that says, Hey, this is a society that says like, you don't have to work, you know, you don't have to go do that job. You don't have to use this money that you think is all corrupt and is upholding X, Y, or Z, right? And you can sort of be in this Discord community, do fun things like, you know, group voice channels and stuff where you all like chant or something or sing. Or where you, you are so much you. deeper in this than I am. You've been <laughs> chanting on Discord? No, no, I'm not <laughs> on Discord. I know that there are, there are Discords that chant. In, in Judaism, <laughs> we call this davening, and it has deep and ancient roots. <laughs> No, I've never, I've actually never joined a voice channel because I feel like that would, that's like a, that's a definitely a Rubicon that I'm not sure I want to pass. You know? If like I turned on the wife, ch the voice channel, my wife would ban NFTs very quickly. In the house. Yeah. I, like, what, I'm allowed to do to? it if I keep it real quiet. <laughs> yeah. Like, who are you talking to right now? I'd be like, listen, I have no idea, but um, in two minutes, we're going to start the chant, you know, like, yeah, yeah there would be, it's, it's rough at our age. So, um, do you find Discord kind of overwhelming in general? I like well, I, it I, makes my brain feel tired. Um, I find that I find the scams that pop up every two seconds to be exhausting. You know, like every you get a DM all the time, like being like, "Hey, you know, here's this obvious scam link. Please click it." I find that to be exhausting, but I don't know. You know, the the ones that I'm in right now are not all that super active. Right. And then you can sort of find the rooms in there that you actually want to go to and talk about. And um, I have found it to be an extremely untoxic area as far as like online spaces go. Like I can think of like some workplace slacks, for example, that I've been in, um, not my current job, but in the past that were actually much more toxic <laughs> than, than, than some of these uh, NFT discords, you know, where people like literally like mad and screaming at each other all the time and saying like horrible stuff. And then 
And then you go in these discords and it's really like, you know, I, as an old person who doesn't know that much, sometimes just go in and ask the, you know, the dumb question, you know, and be like, Hey, when is this mint? You know, when mint? Or I, or I go, I'm like, like, how do I do X, Y, and Z? You know, what like, time is the <laughs> chant going down today? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, can I just listen to the chant or do I have to participate in the chant? You know, um, they, I, and people are always very nice in there, you know, like they'll answer your questions. They won't like be like, hey, noob, get out of here. You know, like, I don't know. As you know, I play some online games, too. And like, I mean, good Lord, like there's no comparison between the two. And so I, I don't know. I would say that it's uh, I don't think it's overwhelming, but I also am not in any of these huge ones. Right. Like I imagine like the punks one is probably super overwhelming and I have not joined the huddle. Right. But um. I mean, I'm in the the punks one. I'm not in the huddle. I mean, I don't, I'm more of a buyer and seller than I'm a community guy. You could say that both in NFTs and and real life. But uh, I've been in the punks one. I mean, the punks one is like big business at this point. The punks one is like uh, really like moving into like asset class kind of talk. Um, And it's kind of fascinating because as these projects move through their different valuations, the culture around them changes. Like punk's culture was really different when punk's was 15 ETH to now when it's, you know, close to 100 ETH. Um, different people. There's just a totally different class of people who who are the owners. There's continuity right. between them. It's like different eras of a religion, I guess you could say. But to, to come you back to something you punk? to be in that. Discord. No, no, you can just you can just go in. People so people buy and sell in, in the in the discord. Um, but what you said about, you know, the, the non-toxicity, I'll just find it so striking when I read about crypto and people will be like the macho, like libertarian attitudes of crypto. I'm like, have you, have you seen any of these like NFT things? It's like there's seven year old culture. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there was an NFT that was pumping a couple days ago that was like, I think I looked at I think it was called the glitches or something and it was like diverse women of color you know and it was yeah. pumping you know and I was just like I was like this is I was like say what you will about this you know but they're not joking like they're not doing yeah. this as a troll like they're literally doing it because they f- want the space to be more diverse and they feel like an nft project around that will help and then the people who are in the community agree with that enough to pump it to the top of like the open sea like uh rating or whatever like you know movement list it's crazy and like cup cup cats is a similar thing have you seen that i've seen the cup cats uh yeah, shout yeah, outs almost. uh cl207 uh the uh the most famous uh, cup cat out there but the interesting thing to me about that <laughs> example He's like a guy on twitter who was nice to me once but he's he's, oh, he's okay. a big guy, crypto guy when i saw that glitches project for example right and or when i saw cupcats which i think their sort of calling card is that it's like an all-woman team right um oh i didn't uh, know that i just knew them for the cats and the cups yeah they're cats and cups there's like a ramen i i i honestly i i had a chance to buy how many nfts have you bought (laughs) (laughs) not that many i went into this Uh thinking i was in deeper than you and i'm quickly realizing that i'm wrong I think my research might be deeper because I have about like an hour between, oh, I don't know. I would say I've uh, like 11.45 p.m. and 12.45 p.m. where I just sit in bed and, and like research this stuff. And it's gotten like almost like a nightly occurrence. But um, 
I, I think that I have that same mindset, which is just that, well, first of all, I think it is good that people are doing these things, you know, like, I think it's good that people are, I don't care how clumsy it is. Like, I would say that most, most, you know, yes, it's clumsy, but you know what, like your most diversity training stuff like that are also clumsy, right? Like, it's not like this stuff ever looks like totally like amazing and great and like non, you know, that can't be sort of poked at in, in the real world either, right? So having... Having that sort of stuff, I think, is good. And then I just thought to myself, I was like, okay, is this just going to get laughed out of the room? Because I think when 2016 or so, when you and I first got into crypto, it would have been laughed out of the room, right? And I think it signals a, it does signal a change, right? That that there is uh, that people do care about these. I think part of that might just be like the differences between the ETH world and the Bitcoin world. But I don't know. It, it also seems like maybe like there aren't really at least Bitcoin maximalism is not as much of a strong voice as it used to be, right? And people have sort of evolved and that now the world is much more reflective of the actual politics of young people. And those politics tend to be like, you know, pretty much in line with what most liberal people think. Well, I would go, as, I'm not sure I would like look at it as a full like swing politically leftwards. I see it more as a like, like a fracturing and an atomization of um, like I see NFTs as an experimental medium. Like people are going to try almost everything. So I think that there's such a huge amount of stuff happening right now and a huge amount of experimentation that often you'll find things that are sort of geared towards you. And there's all sorts of other things happening over in left field that I'm like, Hey, those might make you uncomfortable. But if you find the thing that's valuable to you, I don't think it has to be threatening. The way that Bitcoin maximalism worked, it was like anyone wants to do anything. A bunch of Bitcoin maximalists were like, no, you're doing it wrong. We're going to eat this steak and burn this shit down. Right, and right, right. Now it's kind of like, who cares? We'll we'll have our NFT thing. You have your NFT thing. There's some Pepe stuff going on. There's some other stuff going on everyone's like in their own niche and I like experimental emergent culture in that way. I think it like brings out creativity in people and it does what you described. It lets people form communities. I'm not like a big community person in general, but when communities actually organically form and are not like sort of forced upon people, that makes me like take notice. I yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I, I, I do think that there's, I don't know. It's interesting. Have you, there's like a sports gambling NFT now. Watch out. <laughs> it's called Knights of D-Gen. <laughs> and it's like basically just like you go in the Discord, there's a bunch of people talking about what to bet on football. You know, one of the, one, one of the benefits of it is, that, and it was like, you know, they, their marketing was basically to get Turtle from Entourage to, to tweet about it. Wow. And I was like, Go, what you Shooting guys, for the moon. Yeah, I was like, what you guys need is like, you just need like Barstool or something like that to like tweet about it, you know? Like then you guys are going to be all rich. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's uh, like that one, I don't know, like who who knows, right? Like if it'll be successful or not. But you go in and it's all the dudes who, in the NFT space who care about football gambling, right? And they just talk about lines all the time. And um, it's pretty interesting. It, it does seem like these things are being atomized in some sort of way, but that's also true of everything on the internet, right? It starts with one little pool and then it spreads out and then you have sub-communities. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I am a little bit skeptical about most of these in terms of the longevity of the communities, right? People are just going to hop based on what's up and what's down. If your NFT crashes, then your community is most likely going to dissipate. But uh, I don't know. Has that really happened yet? I guess we don't even really have a test case, do we? Like, is there an NFT that just... went way up for a while and then it's just like worthless now? That's a good question. I mean, in some ways, I think the community is fairly <laughs> sticky um, in the sense of that, like most people, most people are refusing to sell when they're way up, much less sell when they're down. Um, right. I'm sure that some of these have lost steam. But then again, the fear that most people have about a lot of these NFT projects is, oh, it's going to get too crowded. So it may be healthy for 99 out of 100 of these projects to die out. That's kind of like the nature of an experimental community. What I think is different than, you know, all the other forms of community that form on the Internet is, you know, a lot of people's first experience with community on the Internet is going to be like a Facebook group, which is owned by Facebook. Right. NFTs aren't even really owned by the project. They're basically just owned by all the wallets that they sit in. So in some ways, like a 8,000 NFT PFP project has 8,000 owners or however many wallets it sits in. Those people become the stewards for the project. I feel like that is the sort of next frontier of all of this stuff, which is basically that the people who end up owning a collection are kind of like a company that then promotes and, you know, does whatever they're going to do with the project. Hey, I have a question for you, which is about the generative yeah. art stuff, which I yeah. actually am super interested in because I actually do think it's very cool. Like, I think it's cool intellectually, like, you know, like conceptually. I also think it looks cool. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to a lot of artists obviously are going to start thinking about that and then they're going to realize that it actually takes like a very specific set of skills to make this stuff and that it's um, a, perhaps they it's don't a have bizarre it. talent like it's a yeah, bizarre you, mix like, of talents I mean have you seen um uh I don't know like what do you think the future is for that sort of stuff because like the prices are so high and and that they become almost prohibitive for normal people to own right like I can't afford a fidenza I can't afford I can't even afford like ecunema Populous or whatever that thing is called, right? Like, uh, it seems like the popular ones of these are like thirty ETH floor, right? Like, um, like who do you think the do you think that there's enough of a community behind this stuff that you know that prices everybody out that they can like continue to go up in price and that they can keep being things, or do you think it's like this? I don't know, like one time vanity thing for like whales to own. Oh, not at all. I mean, there's multiple things happening there, so. All of the projects that you just cited are part of art blocks. And not only right. are they part of art blocks, they're part of the art blocks curated um, line, which is like the most limited. So I think there's only maybe a dozen, 15 art blocks curated collections. So right. that's a very, very small pool. And most of those generative projects are like pretty low mints. Like they're like 100 mints, not like 10,000 mints. Mm -hmm. So. Art blocks, as as I see it, effectively established itself as the like MoMA of generative art, and anything in their collection is going to be valuable by for the fact that it's in the MoMA permanent collection. Right, right, right. Like I think there's like a couple kind of janky art blocks curated projects that are like just sort of like like just look like kind of like weird randomized LED displays, and those I think are like go for like three or four ETH. So even the like 
failed Art Black's curated projects are pretty expensive. They don't have any sort of a stranglehold on generative art. They just have a stranglehold on this sort of labeling. And I think it makes sense to have these kind of like criterion collection kind of like designations that like push people into like this sort of legendary work. But the fact that a Fidenza very well could be the most valuable artwork in the world within the next decade. Someone put a timestamp so? onto that. I'm calling. Yeah, I think I could. I, not it necessarily like, a Fidenza, but like the most valuable art blocks, curated, the most valuable generative work I think could be competitive with the top sales of the year. I think it makes a lot more sense than Beeple being the most well, that's valuable share of the year. That squiggle thing sold for like $3 million recently, right? Like uh, some some squiggle. <laughs> and we're just we're just getting started on the rich person money burning game. Like That's pro true. athletes and hedge fund owners are just getting in now. So they're not going to want the mid-tier art blocks curated. They're going to want that top 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 shelf. They're going to want to flex on other This is going to become like a owning a sports team level investment, I think. I guess that's where the, you know, the the article I wrote, really the thing that I was most interested in was the interaction with the actual art world. And I imagine that's actually where the traditional art world can get involved in all of this, right? Because the people that you're talking about, right? Like, I don't know, like hedge fund, hedge fund guys who run hedge funds, uh, people who advise NBA players or the NBA players themselves. Like if MoMA, for example, was to say, this is our collection of NFTs, right? Then, and these are the ones that we think have the most artistic value. That would hold more sway over that population than art blocks for sure, right? And that they could up, they could price up whatever that they wanted. I, I don't know. I think so. I mean, like, you know, like you said, like art blocks, a lot of stuff on art blocks is like terrible. And then, um, but I, I, and, and, you know, those names do still hold quite a bit of clout. Now, it might not be that, um, that you can sell 500 of them through MoMA, right? But if you're just talking about 10 or something like that, it seems like that would be a place where the traditional art world could could sort of butt in and, and stake a claim. I guess I think that the people I see getting attracted, you know, the Steph Currys, the John Walls, the uh, uh, Snoop Dogs. John Walls, NFT. Uh, yeah, we, we need to pause the show here for one moment and discuss John Wall's <laughs> NFT project. So they've now been they've now been credibly accused of two different forms of plagiarization. The backgrounds right. are plagiarized from Fortnite and the figures are plagiarized from Boss Baby. And I believe <laughs> that the project is named Baby Ballers. So basically they just put basketballs in the hand of Baby Boss figurines and put the background from Fortnite. Now, as plagiarization uh, locuses, you would think that people would not do Fortnite and that it's pretty instantly recognizable to like 15% right. of the U.S. population. But shout out John Wall. You know, look, even celebrities can do low effort NFT projects. Well, I feel like this is not John Wall's fault. You know, I just think that somebody somebody came to him and was like, yo, let's get in this NFT game. And then John Wall was like, sure, okay. You know, and then he was and then the person just had full full uh full reign to do whatever he wanted. And then So you're saying the you NFT don't think launch. you don't think John Wall actually 
uh, screen grab those backgrounds himself and come. I it. don't think that John Wall was involved in this at all. You know, if you look at the, if you look, except to like put his name John Wall on it. You know, if you look at some <laughs> of the marketing plans, stuff like that, it's hilarious. It's like you get to do a one-on-one Discord with an NBA player. You know, it's like they forgot <laughs> to fill in. <laughs> John Wall, I imagine, is like a pretty. You know, I, I, I imagine, like, I, this is my thought about all NBA players, especially ones who at some point were good, like John Wall. It's just like, look, you are a pretty thorough and intelligent person if you're going to be that good at something, you know? And so I, I have a hard time believing that, like, John Wall is going to put his name on something. He probably just has business advisors and people around him who are doing things, and maybe some of them are not that good at putting together uh, NFT projects that aren't obviously plagiarized. Like, that that's my theory on it, yeah. So are you... Doing a sympathy cop of a baby baller, then? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I mean, it would be a funny thing to have, I guess, as a joke, right? Like, wouldn't it be like a good thing in five years? You're like, hey, remember John Wall's NFT launch? I've got a baby baller. <laughs> Super rare. I, I mean, I feel like the most valuable thing you can do in NFTs is like scrape, like buy up the floor of something that's almost valueless and then somehow make it valuable. Do you think you could? Um, do you think you could make the John Wall NFT collection somehow valuable? I feel like it could become a like novelty thing that people get into as like the lowest effort, most comical NFT failure, and maybe it takes on some value in that direction. Well, I mean, I definitely couldn't within the rules of journalistic ethics, right? Like, I can't do anything like that. I'm not so asking I you to do this personally, but what oh. if I did it? Maybe yes, you should you pick could. some up. Okay. Well, you could go to somebody who is influential on basketball Twitter, for example, right? Because you don't need that much momentum to get these things going. And you could uh, talk to that person and say, hey, what if we did this like funny meme thing about everyone on NBA Twitter buys a baby baller and uses them as their Twitter avatar for a while, right? And they're really cheap right now. And then, and then yeah, I think it would go up at that point. But, you know, um, I would not suggest that anyone do that because... <laughs> It seems like a terrible idea. It's definitely a good way to get stuck with a lot of baby ballers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if no one else is doing the joke, then you're just stuck with all the your <laughs> bag holding all the baby ballers. So basically, when I look at all these NBA players, I see people who maybe weren't traditional art buyers. I mean, I'm not saying no NBA players are, but it seems like people are getting excited about NFTs because it's like, a new space that they can like be a big player in, right? Like in their traditional art world, there's always going to be bigger bags coming in. There's institutions. And some of the people who are coming to, to, to NFTs, I think part of the appeal is that it's like a, a grand reset. So it's not like a baby brother of the art, traditional art world. It's like, dominated by people who are outside of the traditional art world, maybe have like no interest in it. I expect that it's kind of going to have its own canon and market structure outside of that. It's going to be like its totally own industry. And I believe just based on my, our experiences in crypto over time, that that industry could actually like have higher sales than um, the traditional art world because it's, this culture is just full of absolute degens with absolutely huge bags. Uh, yeah, I, but I think, don't you think that would be kind of short lived at some point, right? Like how, how long can that, can that be sustained? I mean, you're talking about something that is now going to be competing with, 
you know, whatever, thousands of years of rich people buying art, right? And then and hundreds of years of these institutions like Christie's or Sotheby's being around and sort of controlling everything. Now, will it sort of take a lot of the energy away from the sort of scammier part of the art world, which is 90% of the art world, I would say? Yeah, maybe, right? And then, and will that sort of deflate the, the actual art market? Yeah, it might, you know, like it might just be that all the sort of profiteers are now going to move into the NFT space. But I do think that people will still always want like a Jackson Pollock or something like that, right? They'll always want to have like, a, you know, like, uh, what's his name? Um, Steve Wynn is like an always going to want to put like a, like a Modigliani in his, uh, in his. Are these casinos. olds though? Like, isn't like Steve Wynn's son going to inherit the casino and like throw up he's the Fidenza in the lobby? <laughs> he's going to put up a, he's going to put up like board eight, board eight, yacht club number <laughs> six, six, six or something like that. Or yeah, eight, eight, I'm eight, serious. Eight, 69, board eight, 69. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that there will probably be a merging of it. Right. Like I do think, um, I don't know. I, 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 in the article I read, I was not really that didactic about what I thought would happen. I just thought that like, there's probably two things that are happening. And the first is that the art world is th looking at this thing, not quite understanding it, but being like, we have to get into it right now, you know, yeah. because we're all, and cause museums, for example, are all going, they, they, they're in rough times because of the pandemic, right? A lot of them are deeply underwater right now. And so it makes sense that they would try and do cash grabs. But um, I don't know. And at the same time, I don't think the fact that like, you know, Christie's did the Beeple sale or that Sotheby's sold. I think it was Sotheby's sold all those. Did you see that? Like a hundred board apes like sold for $2 yeah. million or $20 million or whatever it was. Um, I don't think that that means that like that those spaces now control this market. They obviously don't. Right. But that the art world generally is pretty good at grinding things down and 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 inserting themselves into things. And so I have no idea what's going to happen. My counter take about like, OK, we thought crypto might burn out when we were doing this early on. We're like, what are people just going to keep flipping Bitcoin for 100 years? It's going to get boring. And we were kind of right. Bitcoin did right. get kind of boring, but new things came. So when I see how much the NFT world is evolving every couple months. Like I thought that the art block stuff was really interesting. That's, you know, it's programmatically generated. You can't really even know what the results are until it mints. Like they didn't know what those Fidenzas would look like. Now they're starting to do stuff like blit maps where the entire information about the NFT is stored on chain. It's not even an image. It's like a series of coordinates that can draw the image it potentially right. like could outlive the jpeg format so when i think about nfts in that sense i'm like i don't know maybe nfts will outlive the traditional art world they're like more suited to a like we're all living in like weird metaverse coffins kind of future and might outlive physical artwork that's going to be hard to maintain as the earth changes this is getting dark. right that's a good question about what's more like what is actually more meaningful to a young person right now or even to me and you right so like i have some paintings people. that i've uh we're really not that young but like, especially <laughs> for the crypto space like i've never we're so like old we're we're, yeah. we're so old for the crypto space one time the, i was the, in a discord and people was how old is everyone and no one listed an 
age over 30 and i was just like not gonna respond yeah, yeah that's when that's when you that's when you leave server <laughs> yeah no, i'm um the, uh, the one that i participate in the most in which i'm not gonna name here because i don't want to you know be seen as uh pumping any bags it's like uh like i don't know it, it 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 does bring up an interesting question which is just like all right well what what is more meaningful to people i own a couple paintings right they're not expensive paintings but i do like them they sit on my wall and uh the only people who see them are me and my child and my wife and you know sometimes we have people over but probably not for the last year and a half really Yep. And or is it like something that I can put on my Twitter avatar, for example, like that's obviously more meaningful. You know, you don't even have to go into the metaverse thing where you do these like meta. Have you seen these like metaverse galleries that people are making? Of their yeah. <laughs> they look they all look like Wolfenstein 3D. You know, like, yeah. remember when you could like hack Wolfenstein 3D and you can put in like weird like photos on the, like on the walls. Like I think that was yeah. when you and I like started college around. Right. Like, so they, they look yeah, like you, that, like, you can also years. have like mods where like the gun was like a giant banana. <laughs> right. And right. I had right. that mod. Or, yeah. There's like a ton of porn mods and stuff like that. Yeah. So like um, you don't have to go into that space at all. Right. Um, To understand that, like people want their avatar to be something. Right. So and and if they're if people actually know the worth of that thing within that community, then it actually gives you quite a bit of of sway right like so if you're let's say you're in like the penguins community and you have like a gold skin penguin like i imagine that that actually leads to a lot of collateral within that community right and so it's the same thing as buying art where you're just like well i own a you know somebody comes over and you're like actually that is a real picasso you know and it's not one of his little squiggle drawings that you can buy for two thousand dollars and uh people are impressed they, they take you more seriously and if you can broadcast that out throughout the entire internet through uh, avatar then yeah i do think that is more valuable i just think that like at some point right when you're talking about the higher 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 reaches of things that like the art world is still gonna you know like those sorts of paintings those sorts of things like people are still gonna want to buy basquiat's for example right like it, but like i don't see a world where like a something where there's like i don't know how many board apes are there like five thousand or something like that i think that. it's ten thousand ten thousand yeah it's hard to imagine like a one of those is going to be worth as much as something that's one of one. But, you know, there's also one of one NFT artwork as well, which, you know, might end up being extremely valuable as well. Well, I think the generative stuff has the best value proposition because it's within a set. So that pumps the overall value. But if you look at like each Fidenza, there's only one of that Fidenza. And there's clearly a few Fidenzas that are just like way more interesting than the other ones. And those ones are, right. are one of ones of a kind, but I want to come back to something else you said, because it echoed several things in my family. One, my grandmother died and she owns one of those like low effort Picassos. It's like a Picasso <laughs> plate. And it looks right. like it looks like it's something you'd buy at Ikea, honestly. Right. It's like so low effort Picasso. I'm sure it was like painted by like a peasant making minimum wage in Picasso's like sweatshop. You know, right, right. and it's funny because it doesn't like when I was a kid, I remember my mom would tell me that's a Picasso. And I was like, whoa, we have a Picasso. And the older I get and the more I analyze what it is, I'm like, it's more like it's like a Picasso lacquerware line item than like I don't right. necessarily think Picasso touched this plate with a paintbrush. Um, but, you know, we I come from hoarding people. Um, we hoard and it's dangerous. Like I trying to figure out what to do with this Picasso plate has been a total clusterfuck for the family. 
And my mother has a basement full of all the stuff from when I was a kid. And we're just sort of building all the stuff. For me, it was like records. Like I have, you've been to the crypto cave. I have oh, like yeah. Yeah, yeah. linear, like <laughs> just feet, feet of records. And they brought me joy when I was buying them, but they have become an overall albatross. It was enjoyable to me at a certain point in my life to be in like a collector culture amongst it. But now it's just like a lot of stuff that I'm like, wow, am I going to keep these for the next 25 years? They take up like a whole room in my, in my house if I wanted to put, to have them displayed. So when I think about that compared to NFTs, I just think like it makes more sense for how people are living now. Like young people don't want to buy cars either. People yeah, just yeah, want yeah. less stuff. They want experiences. They want communal experiences. Yeah, you might be right about the art world thing now that I think about it. Like, who's that? Who's that? Who's the Japanese artist who just paints dots? Do you know what I'm talking um, about? Yayo you know Kusama. About? Yeah. I mean, she she has thousands and thousands and thousands of stuff in a set, right? Where that she yep. makes it and you can find it on Artsy. Damien Hurst, obviously, similar. Um, the, uh, what's the guy's name? The other Jap- the Japanese artist who, you know, Kanye is super into. Um, Mur- Takashi Murakami. Murakami. Takashi Murakami, same way, right? He does these big, big sets and then sells mm-hmm. thousands of pieces. So yeah, maybe it's the same thing. I think you're right, actually. Now that I think about it, um, I think all the guys who got into the like robots and toys are kind of the bridge between these two worlds, where yeah, they realized that you could mass produce them a bit more, but still give them the sort of like collector artistic touch that made them feel like they were not just like ordinary pieces of plastic. And some of them are into it, like uh, the dudes who did the hundreds right the original streetwear yeah. line that was like oh you know one of the foundational brands of this that whole movement or that whole space and then they took their iconic bomb thing and they made an nft thing where they and then they i think forgot to release the made it metadata or forgot to track it or something like that so it's still not out there so no one knows how valuable their bombs are <laughs> but, a lot um, of failures to launch in the nft world a lot of like yeah 100 yeah. promotional tweets followed by a like blank image that one was surprising to me that that they sort of I think it, I have no idea if they messed up, but they basically said, well, we're not going to release the metadata for three days because uh, we want everyone to have to create an emotional bond with their NFT. And it's like, OK, come on. OK, sure. <laughs> you know, and I'm not going to turn in like- my homework for three days because <laughs> I want you to feel what it's like for me not to turn it in. Right, right, right. It's, it's basically been like a month and a half now and they still, then they, you know, they don't really even signal it. So who knows what happened. But um, I would think that a project like that, that got so much hype and which, you know, actually is kind of important to the NFT space. Like if you think about it, right, it is important to sort of like, of course it makes sense to get people who stand in line for like a supreme drop to get into the space, right? It's the same idea. Um it was a little surprising to me that like uh, that it that it didn't go that well. I will say that the art on that one is kind of cool, right? Like they had a lot of really cool ideas, uh, and they brought in a lot of cool people, and I think they look really cool. I just think they kind of screwed up the execution of the actual drop within the space. I liked it, but I am consistently surprised whether it's the hundreds or Damien Hurst. I always think that an existing brand is going to come in. And it's like, oh, these NFT guys aren't going to be co- able to compete with this well-known streetwear brand. And it's like, nope, the NFT shit's way, way bigger. And the people's bias 
is towards NFT natives. The biggest yeah, NFT Time Magazine drop is today. <laughs> There's what? like no. Time Magazine is doing like an NFT drop. <laughs> I was super hyped though. Every single Discord I'm in is basically like, yo, are you going to cut? It's like, I don't want to, the gas fees are going to be horrible for this uh, Time Magazine NFT trap. I was going to be like, do you, you guys are like 17 years old. Do you know what Time Magazine is? (laughs) Like, do you, you have not lived in a world where Time Magazine was like a, was like a relevant thing. You know, you were born post, post Time Magazine. Why are you excited about a Time Magazine trap? Yeah, I mean, no shade on the Time Magazine drop, but generally I feel like the big name drops, none of them have like gone crazy. Like the mania has been for native material. Like, I don't even know if that guy who did the Fidenzas had ever published any, had like any pre-existing like collector community around him. Like, it seems like there's a huge favoritism for like people who came from this world operate within this world and most importantly are going to recycle their profits back into the nft world that was how people violated the most important eth rule he went to dollars after that big sale the like proper move after that sale was to drop like 15 million dollars back into the nft economy Oh, I'm not saying this is from it? my perspective, but from the perspective but of was this a criticism of that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. People were like, he abandoned us. <laughs> oh no, he also generated so much attention for this thing. You know? Yeah. I mean, how many people who are like you know not 16 years old got into this because they saw at least something about people? It's probably a large percentage. Yeah, I mean, all these people with all these avatars are just doing free advertising. Like, how many people have found NFTs? Because they're like, why are there so many penguins on Twitter? And then, like, a few steps later, you're like, I'm not going to buy one of these penguins. They're too expensive. And then you're like, "Eh, maybe it's a good investment, though. (laughs) Fucking penguins. I hate my penguin. (laughs) One of our, one of our, one of our listeners. I get mad at it all the time. So what, what kind, tell me about pop- your penguin. What like what kind? Of, what, tell me about some of its traits. He has a sombrero. <laughs> you got a sombrero penguin. Yeah, I've got yeah. the do rag penguin. Uh, is yours rare? No, not really. I like. Yeah. My philosophy about NFT buying is that you should be buying really rare stuff at the top or absolute floor, and it's kind of a waste of money to be in the middle I totally especially agree with that. The, yeah. the bottom middle is just like pure waste um you know it means that you don't necessarily get the exact one you want like if, if i had my way i would have gotten a bowl cut penguin i think they're adorable uh i like that too yeah you know yeah. you don't you don't I think get the penguins are cute but um but yeah it makes me mad that i've lost money on the penguin um i uh i agree i bought you know like the lions thing like the lazy lions thing that's going crazy yeah. i yeah. bought i bought a middle one of those when it was really cheap it totally paper handed it and like you know and it's gone but i agree it's like i could have bought three of them for amount that i paid for the middle one and you know if i had bought three of them then i would still have two you know i would presumably would have still have some around instead of because i don't know if i would have paper handed all of them but yeah i 100 paper handed them okay i'm going to tell you a story about my own nft buying and it's not flattering to me so i got i I did not mint loot but i bought loot fairly early and i got the al gold the adventurer's gold airdrop which was Uh worth you know I, i think 
at the top was worth sixty or seventy thousand dollars per um, uh, loot. Uh, the amount of ventures gold they got dropped on you. No, I did not sell yeah. the top, so I did not actually get that much money, but I could have. <laughs> um, and I got really into this RPG. I was like, RPGs, it's the future. People love RPGs. And I was also doing some like weird um, psychic math where I was like, Magic the Gathering. Mount, you know, Mount Gox was originally a Magic the Gathering exchange. There's always been this like interplay between crypto and Magic the Gathering. And I was like, this is where it's going to go. Next big thing. It's not going to be like silly animal PFPs. It's going to be RPGs. So there's right. this other one called Ethermore that... Uh, oh, yeah, I have one you, of those. I bought it because you told me to. Yeah, okay. So you've, you <laughs> yeah. may have ever already heard this story when I convinced you to buy that one. <laughs> Let me tell you, I bought like 25 of them. So oh, really? they were like, their floor was basically like mint. It was like 0.0, right. 0.05 ETH or yeah. something. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm going to like ride this up because I like them. They're like, it tickles that part of my brain. That's like, it's a half orc mage spellbinder, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Just, Mine has a bedroll. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's a bedroll? <laughs> yeah, that means yours is like allowed to sleep while the other characters are. I don't know. <laughs> he like runs an in. <laughs> it's all total copy pasta. Like you could tell me it's just a bunch of RPG words jammed together in random sequences. Right. But I was like, look, even if these go, if these go to one ETH, I will be 20X on these Ether boards. So I bought a lot of them. That was a bad idea. First of all, <laughs> you're paying gas on each of them, which is a lot yeah, of money. Yeah. Right. And second of all, to unload them is going to cost gas on the other end. Like a one NFT investment that goes way up is much more flexible than uh, trying to gamble on holding a huge number of one of these. You need a really right. big bags if you're going to like try to take like 25 positions in a collection. This is all to say, if anyone's listening and wants some OTC Ethermore NFTs, you know where to find me. <laughs> yeah, I have one. <laughs> I agreed with you, though. I thought they looked cool. You know, I thought it was kind of funny. It, like, it was reminding me of playing Magic the Gathering or something like that. And I was like, sure, why not? I have you a know? few pricey, like, angel ones that have, like, big wings, too. Those ones I paid significantly more for. And I'm not <laughs> convinced they've appreciated it all, either. Yeah, I can't do the buy the whole floor type of thing. First of all, I don't have enough money invested in this stuff. But the gas thing, like, it just, like, pains me physically every single time. You know, like, oh, God, you know, I have to pay this. And then I was like, I now I have to track it into everything. And I'm just like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to track it. So I have no idea how much gas I've spent on this stuff. But, um, you know, it's got to be a lot. I've been playing around on the Avalanche train chain, which is, like, a, a different layer one that's um, Ethereum virtual machine compatible. And it's kind of fun because they have NFTs and the gas is like 50 cents. But it's kind of not fun because the NFTs are all just like lame clones of Ethereum NFTs. So it's just like right. avalanche punks, avalanche apes, you know, yeah. not much. That's really what happened with, Sol with the Solana stuff at first, yeah. right? They're like, hey, we do a... We do a we're going to do our own apes, right? And then those apes pump and stuff like that, yeah. And the funny thing is that it's all ideological where it's like all these Solana stands are like, we got to have our apes be valuable or it'll be like a bad look for our community. Better right. buy these apes, you know, whereas I would be like, it would be a better look if you actually created an original 
collection. But if you had an amazing original collection, you would probably just put it on Ethereum, not Solana. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. Or even Avalanche where, um, I don't know. I think with Avalanche is that it's like environmentally much better right, than Ethereum. And, and is that the, is that the idea behind it? I sort of shy away from these environmentally better terms. No, but, that, but no, no. Yes, but it's that's that's the that's. The, it's more that's like what Ethereum. It. It's more like what Ethereum will be like when Ethereum two comes out. That that's basically what it's like. Fast forwarded to the uh, proof of stake era, of, as far as I understand it, of, okay. of Ethereum. So. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and also it's kind of fun trading on Avalanche because uh, you don't have to pay like a hundred dollars every time you do a trade. Yeah, that would actually. I think you've convinced me just for that, so that I don't have to look at that flashing number and just be like, "What the fuck?" You know, like I don't want to pay this. It allows you to do things like take a fifty-dollar position on some weird coin for fun. And not like have that be like totally impossible. I feel like everything just got so serious on Ethereum because it got so expensive. Like when you're asking people to pay gas, it just makes everything like very high stakes. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like some of these things like that, you know, they have like derivative things that are made that are fun. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'll just get one for fun. And then I look and I'm just like, I don't want to pay this gas fee. So I just never do it. And that does cut down on some of the, you know, excitement around it, I'm sure. So um, we got you back in the NFT game, Jay, after your original yeah. CryptoKitties foray. What do we have to do to get you back in the shitcoining game? <laughs> I'm never going back in that. Really? <laughs> never, ever, ever. No, no, <laughs> ever. Never, never, never. Yeah, I, I won't. First of all, it's not as fun. I feel like this has replaced the fun of shitcoins, right? Don't you think? Like, it's a uh, shitcoins are fun because you're just speculating, you're just throwing money around, and you're just like, well, maybe one of them will like 20x, and I'll, you know, and then I'll be happy, or one of them is going to go to zero. And uh, but like now there's like an image and there's a community attached to that type of stuff that it's not like, remember, like when you were doing sumo coin, it's not like you were part of like a sumo coin uh community back then right it's not like you could go into a discord and talk to people about sumo coin uh the only thing that you got joy out of was that the name was funny and that you kept getting wrecked on it and, and exchanges kept closing holding all of your sumo coin well um, i def i definitely couldn't have gone into a discord for sumo coin because it turned out the entire sumo coin team was one guy who was impersonating various japanese academics Right, um, who so had no good. idea what the that project was so good. but it, it does say something that it was like yeah we were like we were gambling on all these shit coins based on their logos which are just a bunch of pixel art nfts no no are can we can we can we, can we correct? you were you were gambling based on the logo <laughs> you were gambling based on the logos i would try and put a tiny bit of research in that honestly never mattered and was actually usually led to worse decisions and by tiny amount of research i would like you know look at the team and i would text you and be like looks like a good team and i would basically have not even read the files i'd just be like oh their page for you know the team looks actually kind of cool but yeah the logo thing was you but maybe you're I have right. Maybe the logos did matter. Yeah. I have an update on Sumo Coin. Okay. Call, this I is a callback. So um, after Exit Scam, uh, the investigative uh, series I did on right. uh, Quadriga came out. Um, so I used to hold Sumo Coin on uh, Cryptopia, which was like the like bottom of the barrel exchange. And 
uh, it got hacked and I lost all my sumo coin. That's the end of the sumo coin story until now. One of the founders of Cryptopia contacted me and was like, there's an incredible story behind Cryptopia. I want to tell it. So we may get to the bottom of what really happened in the Cryptopia. It's Australian, right? Uh, Australia, is that right? uh, New Zealand. New Zealand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a chance that, you know, if I really play this right, maybe he gets me back my sumo coin somehow. <laughs> what do you think your sumo coins are worth? <laughs> they're they're actually worth about what now what I lost. They they're they were worth like one tenth of a cent then and they're worth like one tenth of a cent now. Oh wow. I didn't even like so you could still trade those things? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. I've 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 not looked at a shit coin in years now, so um I don't think I can ever do that. Like I, I just it the NFT thing is just so much more fun and um and like, you know, like it's like it, my I have a, a few friends here who are not into crypto at all, but we've sort of gotten into trading NFTs for fun. Right. And it's kind of it, it in some ways has replaced like sports gambling in some ways. Right. Like uh, betting on sports and they can understand NFTs. Right. They're like, oh, that penguin's cute. That's actually why we bought the penguin was because one of my friends was like, that's a cute penguin. You know, <laughs> but shit coins is like almost untranslatable to them. Like I could never explain to them mostly because I would have no idea how to explain it to them because I don't know either, you know, like what the what the case for any of this stuff is. But um, I don't know. The NFTs, you can just look and say, oh, that's 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 cool. Like, you know, this crypto hobos project. Is like, oh, these look cool. Have you seen this? I have not seen the crypto hobos. It's like a, basically a generative project that looks like uh, a bunch of parts of Egon Sheila drawings. And then they're sort of all, you know, Slung together into however many images, and I don't know. I think it looks cool, and so then I was like, "Well, yeah, it looks cool. Maybe I'll get one." But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's easier for me than figuring out what a shitcoin does. I will try to lure you back in one more way. I agree that the like coins, the like small terrible coins, are not as fun as they used to be. Some of the stuff with staking and yield farming, and some of the sort of games that that are being played i mean you saw some of this with the you did you were working at doing the nft project that involved like burning and like breeding and transforming things that's like some of the same stuff that's happening with like staking and things like that and that stuff i'm still gonna try and get you into that but i'll save it i'll save it for another show i'll I'll, I'll save it until i like uh get the seed going in your brain (laughs) <laughs> all right yeah let's do this again though um yeah it's been i'm fun. like i'm like 60 percent back into like full degen um, i can see you i can mode. see you coming down i can see your train coming from afar and it's blowing off a lot of steam and it doesn't show any sign of stopping <laughs> yeah i mean if i wasn't so I, i'm actually like weirdly busy for the first time in a long time and if it wasn't for that then i think it would be like back to 100 percent. but hopefully uh hopefully the the work will keep me like right at 60%. I think it's healthy right now. Like, you know, like it's fun and I'm having a good time and it's not like it's like it, the same thing as before where it's just like, okay, is this like a significant amount of money that it's going to be awful if it all goes to zero? I'm still, you know, within that comfort range. So um, hopefully I stay there, but uh, you know, who knows? Like, you know, there's long history as a degenerate gambler. So <laughs> you never know. <laughs> it can always come back. 
Jay, uh, this has been lovely. Do you have anything, uh, anything you want to plug before we get out of here? No, no. I mean, you know, um, well, we got pre-orders no. on this book. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've got a book coming out, uh, called the loneliest Americans. You can Google it with my name and I'm sure you'll find some pre-order links. That would be great. Yeah. I think pre-orders matter. It's coming out October 12th. And Let's then, pump um, this book. Coin talk yeah, army. Yeah. Let's get these pre-orders going. Let's have this you, book go number one in lo- the loneliness category day one. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I wish I wish you'd... Man, I bet you could sell a lot of books if you properly engage this NFT space, you know? Whoa, 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 Jay. You're talking crazy I now. I know, I know. Well, let me think. So it's like everyone who pre-orders gets a cut, like a special, a special NFT? Yeah, like of a page or something. I don't even know how you would do it, but like, you know, that doesn't, and that some pages are worth more because, uh, you know, the writing is better or something. I have no fucking clue. Rarity of words used. <laughs> like, who knows? But um, <laughs> it might sell like a thousand copies, which, you know, in, as you know, in book sales, is really actually not that insignificant of a number. You'd be on the like New York Times bestseller list if you had a thousand pre- pre-order copies, I feel like. Let's do this. Yeah, it's something Listeners. Okay. You OJ. You OJ. I'm gonna write I'm gonna write my roadmap and then we can talk about it the next time we do this. I'm Aaron Lammer. You can check out uh, my podcast about Quadriga, Exit Scam. Exitscam.show is where you can find it. We are Coin Talk. We'll be back someday. Don't even think about unsubscribing because we're gonna drop I some do. kind of a crazy episode if you do. I do enjoy this. Uh I do enjoy this. You know, I'm glad we've kept it going in this way. You know, like it's uh, it's it's fun, and it does seem like thank you to the listeners who, who ask about it. I mean, I'm always surprised that there are people who are online who contact me and you and just say like, you know, hey, remember on the coin talk when you said this, and I'm just like, no, <laughs> but I'm glad that you do. <laughs> I'm sure I said all sorts of stupid stuff that makes no sense now. You know, that if you told me right now, I would a have no idea what I was talking about, and b would be deeply embarrassed. But like, yeah, I'm glad that the the listeners are are of the show have always been great. So yeah, thank you to that. Yeah, thanks to everyone. Uh, we'll we'll do it as much as we can. Uh, stay subscribed. Uh, you can always find. I don't know if our email still works. To be totally honest, but uh, <laughs> you can like DM. The Coin Talk Show uh, uh, Twitter account. If what about that, like, tipping me type thing? Is that oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Right. Tippin.me slash Coin Talk Show. <laughs> I'm going to go look right now. Maybe people have been tipping us. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe we have like seven, seven Bitcoin in there or something like that. All right, cool. I'll talk to you soon. Later. <laughs>